Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. San Francisco, are you ready? Boom! Welcome to another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. And our esteemed co-host, Old Man Davis. Boom! Here we go, gentlemen. Week three is in the books, and what a royal ass-whooping this was. Final score, 18-37 to 37 in favor of the Seahawks. A tough, tough game. Gentlemen, um, last week, both of you pre- accurately predicted that not only would the Seahawks cover, but they would not only would they cover, but they would go over the cover, which the spread was nine and a half points. And boy, were you gentlemen right. And boy, was I so wrong, uh, unfortunately. But um, let's let's get into this. We have another, a second week in a row where the secondary is exposed. This time, uh, you know, I thought Jimmy Graham did a pretty good job of that in the first half. The the defensive line and the linebackers were exposed in terms of their inability to stop the run. Uh, Christine Michael ran for over 100 yards. And then the offense was just stagnant. We're talking, uh, they, they, they were unable to convert their first 10 third downs, no conversion. We also saw some notable injuries to Vance McDonald and Torrey Smith on the offense, Jimmy Ward on the defense, but let's kind of keep it to the offense right now. Blaine has been, his completion percentage in the first three games is totaling 38.2%. Raymond, uh, you were also not very impressed with Blaine last week, and I'm assuming that is continuing this week. Let's start with your thoughts on overall in general. Uh, how the 49ers offense did against the Seattle Seahawks. I thought it was exactly what I did not, what I expected to happen, but what I was hoping would not be the case. And and the problem is a couple things. Uh, number one, Seattle's great at home. We haven't beat them at home since 2011. And they were coming off of a devastating division loss. And in this division, every single game of the eight that are played is incredibly precious because it's such a good division it's a tight division and even a team you you can't lose because you you know that a team like the cardinals are going to be clipping at the seahawks heels and they know that so they knew that coming into this game like i said last week it was going to be a a redemption game they're like hey we can't lose back-to-back division games especially at home then we're going to be really hurting then that's going to really hurt us in the standings and and guess what that would week three you're one game away from one quarter of the season so that's that's the importance of 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 every game in the nfl and i don't know it was a kind of a fucking disgrace Uh, it was just it, it kind of felt like last year all over again and that's exactly what i didn't want to happen and yeah the secondary was totally exposed and uh unfortunately it's a combination of youth I think that there was a lot of busted coverages. And here's here's the odd thing. Eric Mangini did not run too complicated of a defensive scheme last year. And we saw a lot of busted coverage in that system. And here we are again with a much more complicated scheme 
at least that's what I've gathered from the reports and the information that have come out describing the defensive scheme. And there's been universal praise about the scheme and how it's great and everybody loves it. And they came out and, you know, made it look completely dominant in week one, which is never a telltale sign of what is to come for the rest of the season, unless you're an established team. And that's just kind of, you know, like Denver, Denver came out and they did exactly what I, what they did last year. So that's different. But in the Niners case, it just wasn't. The, here's, here's, here's the difference between, I'm going to skip ahead here. Uh, defensively, um, what I saw was busted coverage, broken down plays numerous times. And it wasn't because Jimmy Graham was just out racing a guy. I mean, there was the one catch where him and Reed went up for it and he just kind of, he, he outgained him in that case. Reed is one of the best people to cover that, that should be covering Jimmy Graham because he's big like Jimmy Graham, he's fast, he can keep up with Jimmy Graham, and he's knocked Jimmy Graham on his ass on a couple times last year in both those losses. And, and so something has to change. Either the guys that are not starting are getting playing time because of injury, and as a result they are blowing coverages so enormously bad that they're leading to 30-yard gains, touchdown. Jimmy, The Jimmy Graham one, the touchdown in the middle of the field, that was just a completely busted coverage. Uh, and Eric Reed said, if I if I follow Jimmy Graham, then the corners, there's only going to be one cornerback with two wide receivers in this corner. But if I stay on this side, then you've at least got the safety covering the, the slot guy, the outside corner covering the wideout. And so, so who missed the assignment? Because Jimmy Graham was just left to freely roam around in the middle of the field and that's just one example and it was just so frustrating to watch and there was conversely there was not enough pressure to help out the secondary in those busted coverage situations uh, and just because the the youth is just not polished enough on that d-line to really get the pressure we need i mean uh ahmad brooks had a good game but he he was the only one that was getting pressure on the quarterback and I know Glenn Dorsey had a sack. That was more of a coverage sack later in the game. And it, it really didn't the, – the game was already lost at that point. Uh, Navarro Bowman had the fumble early in the game. That was great. But every time the defense helped the offense, which didn't help much this game, the offense just mightily struggled. And the problem is we are a one-trick pony. We are 30th in the NFL in the pass, and we are 11th in rushing. So we're uh, virtually a top 10 rushing team, but a you know, near the bottom of the barrel passing team. And so when you're a one trick pony like, you know, case in point the Rams, it's very easy to scheme against us, especially with a team like Seattle whose strength is secondary and their their pass rush is is the next best thing. Here's the difference between and then offensively, here's the other caveat. Here's the difference between effective and efficient. Gabbert completed 14 passes for 25 attempts. Wilson completed 15 passes for 23 attempts. Both of them, by that statistic alone, were very efficient. Gabbert threw for 119 yards, one pick. Wilson threw for 243 yards and one touchdown. That's the difference between effective versus efficient. So statistically, Gabbert was Mm -hmm. efficient and he matched Wilson, but as far as effectiveness goes, Russell Wilson outplayed him by a mile. 
and Russell Wilson's obviously a superior quarterback. He's much better in the pocket, much better decision maker, great at improvisation, very, very elusive to the pass rush. And so, uh, like we said at the beginning of the year, it's only a matter of time before Kaepernick comes in. And even Chip Kelly himself hinted to that fact today by saying, Cap is not 100%. That's why he's our number two quarterback. Wait a minute. He's not 100%, and that's why he's the number two quarterback, not Blaine Gabbert's the better quarterback. That's why he's our starter. That's why Kaepernick is number two. By the way, he's also not 100%. That comment to me suggests when Cap is 100%, he's most likely going to be put into the game because there is a higher ceiling of explosiveness when Cap is in the game. Interesting. So... And yeah, I mean, I think it's a notable. We said this. At the, I said this at the very beginning of the season, and I'll say it again. I think whoever started as head coach or as head quarterback would not end the season as a starting quarterback. Uh, Old man Davis, let's turn to you and some of your thoughts on this just destruction. Thirty-seven, eighteen, Seahawks. So rough. So rough. Well, I'm not gonna have the. Uh type of explanation as Ray did but uh, I'm not a numbers guy the only thing I know how to do is just win just win baby and from what I took away from this game is either you make plays or you don't and the Seattle defense didn't feel threatened during this game and that was something important the 49ers were going to have to do when they had the ball I thought they seemed focused on the 49ers, ready for anything the 49ers were going to throw at them. And sure enough, the 49ers didn't have much to throw at all. I mean, you have very good quarterbacks in this league that make plays, and they make plays not only with their legs, but with their arms. And number three, Russell Wilson did that. He did that on Sunday, and he, number two, did not do that. In fact, number two on the Seattle offense, a rookie quarterback, Boykin, had a better game than Glenn Babbitt. I mean, I saw a 49er offense that played horribly, not only against that Seattle front, defense, but they also played just as horribly the previous week against the Carolina front defense. The offense did come back in the fourth quarter, though, and that was the biggest difference. That's why even though on paper they look like back-to-back blowouts, which is uh, which would be like a mirror image of last year, the difference is we were competitive in that blowout until the very until the very two uh, turnovers that, that led to those two late scores that ran the score up. But in this case, we were not we were never competitive from the beginning to the end. You know, the Seattle offense, they weren't a great offense going into the game. And I think the 49ers knew that, except the defense could not capitalize on anything. Anything. That, I mean, they weren't able to get Russell anything Wilson going. Russell Wilson was throwing. The secondary was out to lunch. I mean, Russell Wilson didn't even care who was on defense. He just said he, he threw it well. He didn't care. 
He didn't care if it was Bowman. He didn't care if it was Reed. He didn't care. He didn't even care if Ronnie Lott was out there. He'd still throw out there. Well, I don't know if you can go that far, but. Yeah, I will. Okay. <laughs> All right. High ankle sprain. <laughs> tor- uh, terrible MCL. Whatever. Yeah, he didn't come back from that, and he's got a sprained MCL now. Now it's official. This this man's got carbonated water that makes him super, super Russell. I forgot about his carbonated water. That was a good one. This team has got to get better and will enough to win just a few more games. But I think Chip Kelly's going to need not only a lot more out of whoever the quarterback is, but he's going to need a lot more production out of the wide receivers, out of the running backs, and definitely out of that offensive line. That's the other well, part of it, question. too. Is the, do the, we the even wide have res- wide receivers that are capable of, of, of we do not. playing at a higher level? We do not. And Torrey Smith, I know they're asking Torrey Smith to do more because um, he, he's obviously – he's doing. Here's the, here's the thing. As a wide receiver, you should be able to run every single route that's given to you. And Torrey Smith did have that great catch on another crossing route, but it then looks like uh, the way Sherman tackled him, it hurt his ankle or something like that, and he left the game. Don't know what the status of his injury is today. Vance McDonald also went down with an undisclosed injury, and Jimmy Ward is also injured as well with a strained quad. So not only did we get blown out and embarrassed by our division rival once again, but we also lost three of our best players uh, in that same game too. But I mean, it's it doesn't even feel like a consolation prize in that we knocked out Russell Wilson towards the end of the game. Um, and the same thing with Hyde. I mean, I'm glad he got over 100 yards rushing, but that was all in garbage time. That big 30-yard run, the 30-40-yard run he had, that was in garbage time. Those late two touchdowns, that was all garbage time. Um, had they had the defense not been playing soft and the game was closer, he, he probably wouldn't have had over 100 yards or those two rushing touchdowns. Um, so it's it just none of it none of it feels good. None of it none of it makes. But I predicted they would. So whoever took my bet on Vegas and said they would go over, I'm glad you did. But I hate myself for being right. <laughs> Okay, well let's let's but let's go back on this. Let's let's, let's play devil at devil's advocate for a second here. Remember, guys, we penciled these losses in. We said week two they were going to lose. Week three they were going to lose. The game that we expect the 49ers to back bounce back on is next week against the Dallas Cowboys. So, having said that, I mean, is it as bad as everyone as everyone feels that a lot of people are pointing to last year and the fact that we had this big blowout win in week one against the Minnesota Vikings? and then promptly lost the next two games in particular in similarly dramatic fashion. So is it really that big of a difference that we're losing this? I mean, we knew we we're going to lose this game, right? We knew we we're going to lose this game. Or is it, I guess, is it in the way in which we're losing? Is that what's freaking everyone out? It's the manner. It's, it's because it's because it, it's because it felt because it's exactly how we lost week three last year. So, and I get it. The, the schedule's not very forgiving, but this is the NFL. I, I, you can't sit here and blame a schedule. Well, we got a tough opponent. Well, guess what? Every, uh, ha, you know, a bunch of other teams are going to play Seattle this year. We can't complain about that. We got to play them twice. That's just the way it goes in our division. You, you got to suck that up. But the point is, uh, they, 
schematically we were unprepared, skill-wise we were unprepared, and we did come in pretty much with the same exact squad last year. And it's it's very it's very clear that regardless of the improved system that's in place, there is a severe lack of talent on this team, and we are still very far from from getting back into a at getting back to playing at a competitive level and I don't know how far off we are like meaning in terms of years and drafts just but but the the talent that's on here now or the lack of talent is either hasn't hasn't matured yet or simply won't mature old man Davis do you agree with that that we are pretty far off I uh I want to agree, uh, but I'll take a different uh, approach to it, and and that is that what I was saying earlier, that the talent level is not where it should be for this kind of offense, and the defense probably can only do so much to sustain uh, the the team fr- from being in the game. And that's just any given week, whoever it is that they're playing. And I see this uh, game uh, upcoming uh, in Dallas, which is potentially just as challenging as the Seahawks were on Sunday. So a lot of growing pains, a lot of guys that need to step up and make some plays. And that's what I said earlier. You make plays or you don't. And this isn't just about Blaine Gabbert, Blaine Babbert. This is this is about extending more than just three downs. Guys getting open so that number two can throw the ball into those open lanes and get that yak. And that's now, how old man Davis, do you agree with Raymond that into the end zone? Now, old man Davis, do you agree with Raymond that do you think do we even have the talent at wide receiver to make those make those kinds of plays happen? I don't know. Uh, I, I see a lot of. Uh, I think the answer is no, with the exception of Torrey Smith. But he's but he can't do it alone. He, he needs he needs a supporting cast, and he doesn't have it. I think uh, Trent's got a lot of uh, sleeve rolling up in the next. Uh, Trent Trent the one thing Trent is terrible at is picking wide receivers. He's excellent. Uh, yes, consistently. Year. He's great at picking established free agent wide receivers. That's easy. I can do that. Any of us can do that. But it's trying to find those talented guys out of the draft that Trent Balky just has continually missed on repeatedly. He's great at linebackers, great at defensive linemen, superb at offensive linemen, pretty good at defensive backs. But wide receivers, and and also very good at picking running backs too. But wide receivers, eh, just his one his one area of weakness, and that is a crucial position. To to his credit, Carlos Hyde, probably the best touchdown pose of the game. Uh, committed the worst act on the first play of, of the drive, and not lining up properly. And that in itself, Carlos Hyde, talented running back for this offense, for the 49ers, red and gold, can't even line up properly. And that already says something about 
there's a disconnect that needs to be fixed. Yeah, but he also he also uh, he also ran for 103 yards, and that was the first time the Seahawks have allowed that since oh my gosh, I don't know how how many games was that, Ray? That was a big that was a big uh, streak that they had going. I Not can't remember specifically. Yeah, but okay, so I mean, I would say those, but those are still the two places uh, where we excel running. And this year, the offensive line, the offensive line did not allow a sack this week uh, against a very tough Seattle D. And had, for the entire season, up to four games, has only allowed two sacks. Where you know, in the last two years, they'd allowed over a hundred. Well, so, I mean, let, let me let me counter that by saying, why should the Seattle defense even need to sack him? Because they're not even feeling threatened by Glenn. Go ahead and throw the ball and see what happens. Nothing happened. So, Fair enough. congratulations, Fair enough. offensive line. You did a great job. Glenn Babbitt didn't even get his shoe polished dirty. Fair enough. I'm ready but, to move uh, on to the Cowboys. We'll get there. Well, Raymond, we've got a completion percentage of 38.2% in the first three games. Uh, is, is that's total? Uh, is that yeah, thirty-eight point two percent completion in the first three games? That's that I saw. That's actually similar to Cap's completion percentage to the first three games too. About fifty fifty See, completions, ninety ninety plus attempts. Cap was about fifty something completions, ninety plus percent, and and that included one blowout win and then two blowout losses. So now here's the question. Now everyone's calling for caps for cap, but I, I, I'm asking myself, if this was reversed, if cap was starting today and not Gabbert, would we be calling for Gabbert now? Yes. I mean, as, is, yes. Is, is, yeah. Yeah. Right. Naturally. Is cap really that better of an alternative? Uh, considering his body of work, we've seen him. We've seen him perform well, and it's not like Gabbert's getting pressured. Uh, Gabbert's just missing throws. So and Colin had some inaccuracy issues too, uh, you know, with the the big plays. He played very well when he had a strong offensive line. Exactly, exactly. And the offensive line is better than it was last year. That that is that is something that is glaringly obvious. So if we give that to Cap, who's also a better a better run threat than Gabbert, then you give yourself more options. The the defense doesn't have to say, hmm. Let's just take out Carlos Hyde and force this guy to throw because he's also not going to ditch the pocket like Cap too, which which makes him dangerous. I mean, he has there's a couple times those couple design plays where he did do that, but it's still he doesn't run at the level of Kaepernick, who's like a gazelle. Um, he's just a very explosive and can cover a lot of ground very fast, and he's and he's bigger. So, but I, I think uh, you know, I we we said Gabbert's days were numbered before the season even started, and now there's obviously con- controversy talk about that today. And Chip Kelly had a very made a, in my opinion, a very controversial or not a controversial, but a very suggestive statement um, about Kaepernick in the starting quarterback position. Now, old man Davis, you agreed with me. You said I just said you know if Gabbert, you know if Kaepernick had started, Gabbert we'd be calling. We'd be calling for Gabbert right now. You said yes, so am I assuming that you also believe that Cap wouldn't necessarily be a uh, a significant increase in uh, overall production? Correct. And 
agreeing with what Ray had said earlier, based on his history of work. And all we have to go by is what we saw last last year. It, it's it's hard for me to agree that Cap is going to be this huge step up. I, I mainly because he's his inability to go through progressions and he really struggles with reading defenses very closely. I just don't believe necessarily that Cap is the answer. I don't think the answer is on this team. Uh, that there, there's there's going to be my hot take on that one, and and I agree. Balky has a, has consistently really struggled with wide receivers, and our offense in the last several years just goes further and further down every single year, and it really really struggles to gain any traction. He he seems to do do really good when it comes to defensive players. Uh, unfortunately, when it comes to our secondary, one of the big problems that I've seen with Balky over the years is that he. he doesn't put a lot of stock in cornerbacks, and he lets our he let a lot he's let a lot of good secondary go over the years, and it's come back to haunt us uh, in the last couple of years. So uh, the other one, uh, kind of, which is leading me into my next point, uh, Kawakami wrote an article today calling for still the writes. firing. Yeah, yeah, he called for the firing of Trent Bulky. So how do you guys feel about that? Uh, you you that that. That can't happen until the end of the season because this guy has helped to construct. I wouldn't say solely built a winning team because we've got to remember a lot of the players that Jim Harbaugh inherited in 2011 were Scott McLuhan's picks. Um, in addition to uh, to Balky, we can credit Balky with guys like Anthony Davis, who's now retired, but at the but for the first five years of his career, he was pretty solid. Mikey Potty, Pro Bowler. Um, Carlos Hyde, little little fragile, but very explosive and definitely the future. Defensively, uh, we can pick out uh, the Twin Towers, you know. So and who who have yet to kind of reach their potential. Aaron Lynch, another credit to Balky. So, and also the free agent acquisition she's brought over. How many? You know, there's a large percentage of those that translated to uh, Pro Bowl selections. The, the two biggest that come to mind are Dante Whitner. Quan Bolden. Dante Whitner and Quan Bolden, as well as Carlos Rogers, who had never been to a Pro Bowl prior to coming to the 49ers and then went to a Pro Bowl's first year with us, and Dante Whitner, too, with us. So there's a lot of things Gwilki's very good at. I think that's premature by Kawakami, not surprising coming from him. God, he's so terrible. So... <laughs> I think uh, I think it's the gold, too. The you, never ending our never ending quest to call out all of the terrible, terrible Bay Area journalists, beat writers, and television personalities there, and radio personalities. They're seemingly endless. Well, at uh, least some of them are gone. I mean, like Haberman and Middlecoff are gone. Thank God for that. And Chad Dewing from the morning show on ninety five seven, the game is gone. That was a nasal toned did you know about this that, man davis nasal toned host that didn't bring anything to that morning show i thought that they were maybe on um journalistic uh, retreat uh, <laughs> they were they were it just it's just permanent well and they were on journalistic retreat during the show which is why they're no longer on the show uh, my whole gripe if we all remember last year i famously called out 957 the game and famously called out uh, some radio hosts whose names I would not mention, who you guys and Raymond ended up saying during the broadcast, Haberman and Middlecoff, because uh, Middlecoff, I believe it was Middlecoff, said that uh, 
that he thought Tom Brady was the greatest quarterback of all time, which is like, you know, you're free to have that opinion. I just don't understand why you're on a San Francisco radio station if you believe that. Because I, 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 he's not. Joe Montana is. We all know this. This is, this is not a discussion I'm going to entertain anymore. But anyways, that was my one of my big gripings. I was like, why are you on a Bay Area radio station? Like, go go to a New England radio station. Go be somewhere else. But I'm not really interested in hearing your opinions because you really don't understand Bay Area football if you think that. Anyways, we're getting off topic. So, change at quarterback, do you guys think there, it really makes a difference? Like, will, will it make a difference? Or are we still going to, are, are the penciled in losses that we already are predicting for this season, will they still come to fruition? Is Kaepernick really going to make a difference? I'm going to say no. And that's just me. But I want to hear what you guys think. Raymond, what do you think? Does it really make a difference? Will we win? Will we win games because Kaepernick comes off the bench and starts? Because of course, you know, all the fans are going, "Oh, we want Cap, we want Cap." You guys are the, the same exact people who wanted Cap bench last year for Gabbard, and now the people who want the Cap offense. To come is, the offense seems to be tailor made to Gabbard's limiting factors, which is the best he can do. So, meaning that Chip Kelly's trying to make the best of what Gabbard can do with his limited throwing ability. We know he can. We know he has running skills. We know that. Uh, he, but G- Chip Kelly's trying to bring this short passing game to elevate his inaccuracy issues to a, a higher percentage, of higher completion percentage, and not even that is working. Now, here's the thing: Cap has made bad throws in, in the past, and a lot of that was due to pressure because he's terrible under pressure. He's not like Russell Wilson that just seems to thrive under pressure. Seems to even play better when he's under pressure. Cap is the complete opposite. He kind of buckles under the pressure. He does seem more confident this year than he than he did last year. And he's been very patient and and poised in this secondary backup role. He's been there before, so maybe that has something to do with it. But perhaps he's reached a new maturity level where he kind of has saying, Hey, I can't get away with what I did last year or even the year before when it when the controversy really started as to whether Cap was competent enough to continue to start. When I make when I play poorly despite the fact of my poor surrounding cast. I can't fix the surrounding cast, but I can fix me. So let me fix me and continue to work and work back into the starting position and show them why I've had a lot of success not only during a regular season but also at the playoff level and also almost won a Super Bowl. I mean, there is something to be said about that. That that is that is more than Gabbert has done within his entire career. So Kaepernick can do well. He is dynamic. And remember we saw that with Alex Smith even though we thought that that was you know, we were we questioned Jim Harbaugh's decision decision to keep Kaepernick in there and keep Alex Bench when Alex was having his best career uh, before the the concussion. He was six and two up to that point. But then we saw Kaepernick come in there, and we saw, wow, the offense is way more explosive when Cap is in there. Do you guys all see that? Not only is his running ability more explosive, but the offense seems to be able to throw downfield, which Alex Smith struggled with. And Blaine Gabbert has the same exact struggling ability. The only problem is Alex Smith is better at Blaine Gabbert than than Gabbert is, and those are two areas that they both generally don't do well in so the fact that he is a lesser version of Alex Smith is scary because it's the the short dunking pass plays just do not work it seems like a defense like Seattle or any competent defense for that matter seems to just be able to sniff it out easily because we didn't throw all that well against the Rams either 
we just threw better enough to get the job done. And they're just a really bad team. They're also <laughs> yes, they're also a bad defense that just happens to play Seattle very well. Although they did win this week, uh, unfortunately. So that uh, added... uh, you know, technically they're in first place right now in the yes. NFC West. Yes. Oh my God! Jeff I'm sure Fisher. Louis is going to be really happy about that. Oh, I'm sure he is. He beat a, a, a high-powered offense in Tampa Bay, and guess what? That defense gave up 32 points. So we know that the defense is still very terrible. It's just the offense that woke up today, which is either a testament to Los Angeles's ability to play offense or a testament to all of the work that Tampa Bay needs to do on defense. I would guess the latter. The pride of a Ram basking in a win. Right. Oh, man, Davis, does Kaepernick actually make the offense that much better? Do you think it will open it up in ways that it can't right now, similar to when we first put Kaepernick? Raymond was saying, you know, when we first put Kaepernick in, it really opened it up. Uh, after Alex Smith, do we have that? Does that same thing happen again? Does lightning strike twice here? Obviously, Matt, it's not going to turn let, into the same amount of wins, but. Let me say this. Because you've never been a fan of number seven. I have never been a fan of number seven. I am still not a fan of number seven. Am I team Gabbert? I am more of a fan of Blaine Gabbert than I am of number seven. And that's only because he is the lesser of two weaklings that are holding the ball under the center. Blaine Gabbert was a mediocre quarterback coming from Jacksonville. He was unsuccessful there, and he was poised to be the backup to number seven. The 49ers were unsuccessful all year last year, and when they put in number two, his mediocrity seemed a diamond in the rough, and he didn't have to play like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady because the offense was so horrible his mediocrity was suffice now that he's a starting quarterback the mediocrity stinks and it's only up to Glane Babbard to play up to the level of a really good quarterback in the NFL and that is like the Drew Brees the Matt Ryans the Eli Mannings. Oh, Matt Ryan stinks now, but the, I, I understand what you're saying. The Russell Wilsons. Oh, God. Okay? Make plays and do it with your head, your arm, and your legs. Number seven has the ability to change the dynamic on an offense. However, his decision-making is what hinders him. And I think that's just enough for him to not do any better than what number two is doing currently. All he'll, right, so he'll use his legs, but the arm, and he'll use his arm, but his decision-making won't get him ahead past five wins. I, I yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of an old man Davis's boat. I still don't really believe that cap is the answer, and I don't know. Well, he might not I be like the long term answer, but he he might be the short term answer as as the year progresses. It depends if Blaine Gabbert keeps this up. If he continues to do it, 
then then yeah, his days are numbered and Cap's most likely going to get another shot. If he improves, then he will only delay Cap's inevitable re-entry. Yeah, well, I, I only see is. Christian Ponder coming in by the uh, by the end of the season. <laughs> we go through all three. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to the final segment of the evening. It's all about that money. Let's look at these Vegas odds. Dallas Cowboys at San Francisco 49ers. The Dallas Cowboys are three-point favorites. The question is today, do you take that bet? Raymond, three-point favorites in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. Prescott is their starter. Romo is out. We're coming off a blowout loss against the Seattle Seahawks. Do we right the ship and make the game 2-2 and and beat the Vegas odds? We do. This is a game I picked that we would win, so you do not take that bet because it will be a tight score, but it will be the Niners who come out victorious versus the Dallas Cowboys. And one of the big reasons is Dallas is traveling on the road, rookie quarterback who's had a lot of success up to this point. But remember, the San Francisco 49ers are a top 10 defense at home. And now that they've been embarrassed twice under this new regime, they're going to have the same bounce back redemption feeling that Seattle had when we came to their home, only now traverse and Dallas happens to be the victim coming into our home. So expect a tight game, but expect that three points to be won by San Francisco. And if I were a betting man, I would take us more than three points. I say we win by at least a touchdown. Ooh. Oh man, Davis, your thoughts. That was a Super Bowl era. That doesn't even apply here. <laughs> I'm a winning uh, man. I like to Old win games. I like to win Super Bowls. I say you take the three points over. The Cowboys win by more than two touchdowns. Oh! With Des Bryant, but definitely more than a touchdown without him. Well, this is going to be, you know, I definitely don't want the Cowboys to win, but I do have Des Bryant on my team, so I'd like him to have a nice game, but I still want San Francisco. You know, against that secondary, it's very, very possible. But at the same time, I expect the pass rush to wake up this week. And one of the reasons why I expect that to happen is because their left guard is on the IR who left late in the first half of their win over Chicago. And so that means that they are now vulnerable um, on the left side of that offensive line and that's going to open up some opportunities for our pass rush to get through and if I was Jim O'Neill I would definitely set up the blitz package to attack that side of their offensive line now this is a team that's number six in the league up to this point in rushing this is a top rushing team in terms of passing they're more like a middle of the road team 16th Dak Prescott didn't have his first touchdown pass until last night so this is a team that has some that is not completely polished in the passing game, but is definitely stout in the running game, which means that we need to have a similar, not exact, but a similar game plan to the Rams. Let's let's challenge the rookie quarterback again, but let's also bring a lot of pressure. Let's let's force Ezekiel Elliott. Let's keep him contained because he's 
show he's shown to be a pretty dynamic back so far living up to the expectation but at the same time he is still a rookie this is still the nfl they're still i think and and, and san francisco is great at home so i do believe that they are going to uh, take care of the run and force dak prescott to beat him with their arm which will be which will not be easy in san francisco i All think right. the 49ers have the potential of really passing the ball against this dallas d however I think Dallas has enough offense to score more points than the 49ers. Well, there you have it. Raymond says expect the Dallas not to cover and for the 49ers actually to win by about seven. Old Man Davis expects the Dallas Cowboys to cover and to actually go over the three-point spread. Raymond, where can they find us? You can find us all over the place, but the best place to find us is to like us on Facebook at 49ers or Facebook, sorry, Facebook.com slash 49ers Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at 49ers Goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher for all of the latest and greatest episodes as they become live. So do yourself a favor and subscribe and support the Goldcast. Yes, definitely like us and follow us on Facebook.com and either Stitcher or iTunes. Follow, 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 follow. We need all the followers we can get. Old Man Davis. Oh, yeah. Where can they find you? You can find me in Baltimore as uh, our Oakland Raiders here on the Silvercast look to take the Baltimore Ravens with a win and head back to Oakland. And then uh, right after that game, I'm heading over to Santa Clara where I can see the Dallas Cowboys win against the 49ers. And anybody that votes my way wins money in Vegas. Boom. Well, there it is. Well, well gentlemen, we hope. Raymond, as always, uh, well, not as always. Today, I hope you're right. Oh, man, Davis, I hope you're wrong. You can find me at Rudy Solis Third, Rudy Solis 3 rd on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on both. Like us, follow us, join the movement. So concludes another edition of the 49er Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. And our esteemed co-host. Old Man Davis. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. Boom. Boom!